0: Welcome
1: to Blitzcast,
0: an NFL draft podcast brought to you by NFLDraftBlitz.com. And now, your hosts, Alex Kavtov and Ed Hunt.
2: Welcome to another episode of Blitzcast, and we've got a guest at the top of the show. We'd like to welcome Phil Steele, who's been publishing his magazine for over 25 years. He's also an ESPN contributor. Here's the man himself. Phil, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks.
0: Thanks for having me on, guys.
2: Obviously, this is going to be the most unusual college football season that we've ever had. What do you think of the decision by the Big Ten and the Pac-12 to to cancel its fall football season while the SEC and the ACC and the Big 12 continue on?
0: Uh, I thought it was strange that they canceled it that early that they did. It seemed like uh, maybe they had their mind made up they weren't going to play this season and Decided to cancel it before the the team spent too much time and effort, you know, into practicing and getting ready for the season. But I applaud the ACC, the Big Twelve, and the SEC. And I, really, I feel if we play the entire schedule, we have got 74 teams playing. Uh, in the back of the magazine, I've got my top uh, 10 Heisman candidates. Eight of the 10 are still playing this year. And I've got three of the four playoff contenders, and I believe seven of the top 10 teams in the AP are playing. I think we play through the entire season, get through the playoff. We will have a true national champ at the end of the year, despite the fact maybe the best team, Ohio State, is not playing.
2: And you had Ohio State as the number one team.
0: Yeah, I did. I had the Buckeyes win it all this year, and uh, then they opted not to play. And that's probably why you see coaches like Ryan Day of Ohio State, James Franklin of Penn State, really – Confused and and little little off uh, with the situation because they knew the potential their teams had this year. I thought those were the two best teams in the Big Ten that in the season.
2: Well, Clemson is the clear-cut number one team in the polls right now. When they came out, who are the main contenders who are chasing the Tigers?
0: Well, uh, naturally, Alabama in the SEC is the favorite this year, and then in the Big Twelve, you're looking at Oklahoma. Uh, and that leaves that fourth spot open. And I actually went a little out of the box with my number four playoff pick since Ohio State got pulled. I went with UCF making the playoff this year in the fact that UCF is even the stronger team than last year. And last year their three losses were by a total of seven points. Keep in mind they were undefeated each of the previous two years. They have 16 returning starters coming back this year. they my number nine rated offensive line, one of the top running backs in the running back cores in the country, one of the top secondaries in the country, and I actually had the American ranked as the fifth-best conference in college football last year ahead of the ACC, so it wouldn't surprise me to see them get in. Other main contenders out of the SEC, you're probably looking at Georgia, Florida, and Texas A&M. Out of the Big 12, Texas and Oklahoma State figure to be the top two challengers. And out of the ACC, how about Notre Dame? (laughs) What What a welcome surprise to see them in there. And I would put Notre Dame and North Carolina as Clemson's top two challengers this year.
1: So, how good is Alabama this year? Will Nick Saban's squad bounce back after a disappointing season, you know, just by their standards?
0: Yeah, you look at them defensively, last year they lost two starting linebackers prior to the season. Dylan Moses was on my All-American squad, and Joshua McMillan was a projected starter. Both were injured right at the start of the season, and they had to play two true freshmen there in Shane Lee and Christian Harris. Well, Lee and Harris are both now sophomores, but they get both Moses and McMillan back up front of the defensive line. They played three freshmen last year in Christian Barmore, DJ Dale, and Byron Brian Young. And those guys are all back this year. So I think it's going to be your typical Alabama defense. And the new quarterback, whether it's Mac Jones or Bryce Young, has got a tremendous supporting cast. We're talking about my number one rated offensive line in the country, number two set of running backs, and number three set of receivers. So this is a very good Alabama team this year, and they deserve to be favored to win the SEC.
2: Bovada Sportsbook has Alabama as the odds-on favorite to win the SEC championship at minus 145. When I saw your preseason rankings come out you had Texas A&M at, at number 5. That was a huge surprise. Why do you feel so strongly about the Aggies?
0: You know, it goes back to my conversations with Coach Jimbo Fisher the last couple of years. First of all, last year at this time when I, when I talked to Coach Fisher, he had brought in two exceptional recruiting classes, but the thing that stood out to me last year was A, uh they really had very few seniors on the team maybe four or five seniors on the entire squad and b they played a hellacious schedule as it was they took on number one ranked clemson number one ranked alabama number one ranked lsu number four ranked georgia number eight ranked auburn and those are the games they lost last year and uh, i told coach fisher last year i said coach i'm gonna put you on my national cover next year well next year's here they've got 17 returning starters coming back a veteran senior quarterback in Kellen Mondo I've got first team SEC a loaded defense they now have three great recruiting classes by Jimbo Fisher and the schedule while it got a little tougher in the 10 game SEC slate as far as the SEC games go I actually got a little bit easier this year so add it all up I think A&M is going to be Alabama's main challenger in the west
2: Bovada is giving the Aggies 14 to 1 odds To win the SEC championship.
1: Oh, okay. I mean, that that kind of brings us to our next question. Was we we got Alabama, you know, we got Alabama and Texas A&M on one side, and LSU probably not being on that side uh, as much this year. But what what about on the other side, on the east side, where you got Georgia, Florida? Who who's gonna play Alabama in that game?
0: Yeah, and it's it's going to be a, a tight contest. I mean, Georgia and Florida, that game's being played in Jacksonville, as always, and really the winner of that, you figure, is going to get there. I think Tennessee and Kentucky are a couple of outliers in the SEC, capable of contending, but it looks like Georgia and Florida is going to be the big match. Now, while Georgia has to play Alabama on the road, uh, Florida has to play Texas A&M on the road, so it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how those games shake out. But I went with Georgia to come out of the East, uh, Georgia has what I think is the number one defense in college football. My number five rated defensive line, number one set of linebackers, number four DBs. Love their new quarterback, whether it's Jamie Newman or JT Daniels. And I'm expecting Jamie Newman to win the job. Uh, he had a great year last year at Wake Forest. His top two receivers went down late, which is why his stats tailed off a little bit at the end but I think he's going to jump up the NFL charts this year. Samir White, one of the top running backs in the country, was my top-rated running back coming out of high school. He had an ACL. He's now a year removed from that. That's a plus. And the, uh, the receiving core is more veteran than it was last year. So I think it's going to be a close game right down to the wire. The winner of Georgia-Florida wins the East, but I went with Georgia overall to get it.
1: So for the overall national championship, what teams do you have, it and who do you think is going to win it all?
0: Yeah, my, my top four was uh, Clemson, Alabama, uh, Oklahoma, and UCF. I do have Clemson playing Alabama in the championship game, uh, which uh, we sort of getting used to uh, the last uh, five years, those two playing for it all. But I did go with Clemson overall. I'm going to go with the veteran quarterback and uh, Trevor Lawrence, uh, a guy that's been in the big-time title games. And, uh, I, you know, remember last year, Trevor Lawrence – Maybe, you know, he had all the publicity coming in. You knew You know he's going to be the number one pick in next year's NFL draft. And maybe he thought he could do too much early. In the first seven games last year, he had eight interceptions. But in the final seven games, how about 22 touchdown passes and zero interceptions? I expect Trevor Lawrence to win the Heisman this year. Clemson, as long as their rebuilt offensive line comes together quickly, which I think it will, uh, I'd have Clemson winning it all over Alabama in the title game.
2: You keep mentioning UCF, um, obviously, a, a team to root for, and they, they've had some great seasons out there, but do you think that their schedule is is good enough to get them in there, into the top four?
0: I do, because the American Conference, as mentioned, I had the fifth-best conference in college football last year. I mean, you're talking about teams like Cincinnati and Memphis. Uh, both had double-digit wins last year. SMU had double-digit wins. Navy had double-digit wins. Tulsa, a team that went 4-8, and eight, was a much stronger team. So I think the American Conference is strong enough. And here's what I think is going to happen at the end of the year. I believe that in the Power Five conferences, we're now playing more conference games and the fact that the second-best team in each of those conferences will be the loser of the championship game. you got to figure they're going to have two losses, maybe three losses on the year. And if you have an undefeated UCF at the end of this year, I think that's a big advantage. And if you have a two-game edge, I believe UCF could get into the playoff Especially this season. The opportunity is there, and I'm very happy to see the American Conference playing this year.
2: So, you have Trevor Lawrence as the player who is going to walk away with the Heisman. He's your preseason pick. Can you give us a dark horse candidate that nobody else is talking about, a guy that might just emerge out of nowhere?
0: Yeah, I'm going to say, and and we'll go way out of the box here, in uh, De'Ara King of Miami of Florida. I think when you watch him two years ago at Houston, he had 36 touchdown passes, another 14 touchdowns running. That's 50 touchdowns he accounted for. And now he's got a really good supporting cast with Miami. And Miami could be a dark horse in the ACC. So if they have a big year, De'Ara King pulls off a couple upsets. I think he could get in there. The other guys I had at the top, like uh, along with Trevor Lawrence, were Sam Ellinger at Texas. You have to put an Oklahoma quarterback in there, right, guys? I went with Spencer Rattler, and uh, he was my number one rated quarterback coming out of high school. Sam Howell in North Carolina, and maybe Chuba Hubbard of Oklahoma State. But for a dark horse, I'll go with D.R. King, Miami of Florida.
2: We're talking to uh, Phil Steele, who publishes the best college football preview magazine out there. Uh, you know, your first magazine came out over 20 years ago. It was in 1995, the college football preview. How would you get into this in the first place, Phil?
0: Well, you know, I was writing a football newsletter, and what I did every year is I bought every preseason magazine that was out there, and at that time there was probably about 15 of them, and i write down all the information that was on those pages, and I basically got a, maybe a starting lineup for each team, very not, not much more, and that just wasn't enough information for me. So probably about 28 years ago, I started compiling the information on each of the teams myself, the way I needed it. I needed three deeps, four deeps, I needed every stat that was available at my fingertips, And uh, someone came to my office about 27 years ago and said, hey, why don't you turn that into a magazine? So we did it back in 1995, and the first issue was black and white on newsprint. We only had 188 pages, believe it or not. But once people got it in their hands, it was the type of information the hardcore football fan really needed to have. And the, the, uh, the magazine has grown each and every year since then, because once you get the magazine, you have to have it every year. Will
1: anyone challenge Oklahoma in
0: the Big 12? Yeah, I believe both Texas and Oklahoma State are capable. And I know that Sam Ellinger said last year that Texas was back, but they really only had eight returning starters last year. And then their defense got hit hard by injuries midseason. They were down four defensive backs. Uh, and now this year is completely different. Sam Ellinger's back, his senior veteran quarterback, 16 returning starters, nine of them on defense. And those injuries last year make him even more experienced than that. And remember, Texas and Oklahoma have played six times the last six years. Texas has won two, and all six games have been decided by a touchdown or less. So there really hasn't been that much of a difference between the two schools. And then Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's got Spencer Sanders back as a sophomore quarterback now. Chuba Hubbard a 2,000-yard rusher at running back. Dylan Stoner and Tylen Wallace, a receiver. And then defensively, they go from a young defense last year to one that has 10 returning starters this year. I think Oklahoma State could enter the mix as well.
2: Iowa State, I want to hear your thoughts there. Are you on the bandwagon with Matt Campbell and Brock Purdy? I mean, they seem to have a good squad, too. In the last three years, they've been a top defense in the Big 12. Where do you stand with, with the Cyclones?
0: Yeah, if you're stepping outside the top three, definitely Iowa State and TCU are my two teams there. And With Iowa State, as you mentioned, Brock Purdy, and then how about Brees Hall at running back? Brees Hall was a guy that didn't really even touch the ball the first five games last year, but still ended up with 897 yards, averaging over 100 yards per game the last eight. They've got a dangerous receiving core, probably the best tight end unit in the country with Chase Allen and Charlie Kolar, and defensively, as you mentioned, they had the Big 12s perhaps best defense last year, and now they got eight starters back from that unit. Biggest question marks are offensive line, which I think Matt Campbell will do good job replacing, and then the schedule. They play Oklahoma at home, and they also have to play TCU, Oklahoma State, and Texas, They're other three main challengers in the Big 12, all on the road. So they arguably have the toughest schedule of the contenders in the Big 12.
1: So looking looking at uh, things from where they stand now, who's your most underrated team in college football and all of college football?
0: Uh, I would have to say uh, I probably would have thrown out Northwestern prior to the Big Ten not playing, but uh, I'm going to go with a team like uh, Miami of Florida. I think Miami of Florida last year ended out the year on a big-time sour note, getting shut out in Louisiana against Louisiana Tech in that game and uh, ended up with a, a season well below expectations. But this year, Miami's got a veteran squad. Uh, they have got uh, 14 returning starters coming back. De'Ara King, at quarterback, is a nice addition. They had in Quincy Roche at defensive end, also uh, who's the American Conference Defense Player of the Year at Temple. So a good defense with a much improved offense. I think Miami could make a, a major impact this year.
1: We saw what Joe Burrow did as kind of, you know, maybe a guy who we thought of as like a six-round pick who who really even just surprises a junior. But is there is there one quarterback this year who, you know, isn't a big name but will be a big name sort of at the end of the season?
0: Yeah, I, and I'll go to the SEC for this one. I like both Kellen Mond, who is not thought of as one of the upper echelon quarterbacks, and I think he will be at the end of the year. And then maybe a guy a lot of folks didn't follow last year, Jamie Newman. I thought he did a tremendous job at Wake Forest, and now that he's in this Georgia offense with the talent he has surrounding him, I think can even do a better job here. So I think those two are really going to step up from uh, maybe B-range quarterbacks and get up into that A-level where everybody's talking about him at the end of the year.
1: So you, you expressed your love for UCF this year. Is there is there another non-Power 5 conference team that you really like?
0: Uh well, I had like Boise, but I put, I'll put Memphis up there and then UAB. And when you watch UAB, you know, Bill Clark has done just an absolutely remarkable job with UAB, uh, you know, taking over a team that hadn't played football for two years and getting them to a bowl eligible. Then with a the veteran team dominated the, the CUSA the next year winning it. And last year getting them to nine wins with an inexperienced squad He's got 18 returning starters coming back, but I still have a, a soft spot in my heart for Memphis, who delivered for me last year. I know everybody's picking UCF to be that uh, not New Year's Day six uh, power uh, group of five team. And I had Memphis making it to the New Year's Day Six Bowl, and Memphis got there and gave Penn State a really good game. They've got 14 returning starters coming back, a veteran quarterback, and Brady White. And I think if anybody's going to challenge UCF in the tough American Conference, it would be Memphis. We also have Kenneth Gainwell, a guy that ran for 1,500 yards last year and caught another 600-plus uh, receiving.
2: Yeah, Gainwell is a, is a fun guy to to keep an eye on, really emerged out of nowhere. Uh, during his freshman season excited to see what he would do in during his sophomore year one final question for you before we let you go who is your uh, favorite team to to win the Sun Belt this year
0: really going out of the box here guys I'm going to take App State (laughs) it's a team that's pretty much been the cream of the Sun Belt recently and I think they they might probably rate that uh, once again this year Zach Thomas back at QB uh Dietrich Harrington at running back uh Hennigan Sutton uh and Williams at the receiver spot and a, a dynamic defense so they're up there but I would also throw in the mix uh Louisiana Billy Napier is doing a great job with the raging Cajuns Levi Lewis is back at QB they've got a three-headed monster at tailback and Elijah Mitchell Trey Regis, and nobody's heard of Chris Smith yet but for the last two years I've talked to Billy Napier and he has said that Smith would be a starter in almost every other team, but he was playing behind Mitchell, Regis, and Calais. Well, this year, look for Chris Smith to make a major impact at running back, and their defense looks pretty solid as well. If you're looking for a player to watch now and also for the NFL, keep an eye on their nose tackle, Talon Humphrey. Taylor Humphrey is a big boy, 6'5", 335 pounds. He's a junior college guy that sat out last year after coming in as a transfer. Uh, I look for him to have a big year, uh, maybe even Sunbelt Defensive Player of the Year, so keep your eyes on him this year.
2: Uh, please tell our listeners where they can find you.
0: I appreciate that. Now, it's a little different this year. We normally print a couple hundred thousand magazines, and we're everywhere. You know, grocery stores, Walmarts, places like that. But this year, we're only at two locations, Barnes & Noble and Books-A-Million. And get them now. And if you get the magazine, you're going to see the old schedules on there. But on our website, philsteel.com, uh if you go to Philsteel.com, look at the daily blogs, you can actually print off the latest schedules, complete with angles, all in order, and just paste them over your magazine, make it clean and fresh, and you'll have all the updated schedules with updated angles for all the games. So that's Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, and then head over to philsteel.com and print off those latest schedules, and you'll be all up to date and ready for the 2020 college football season.
2: Phil, thank you for being with us. We appreciate it.
0: Hey, a lot of fun talking football with you guys today. All right,
2: we're back, and we're gonna do a fun exercise, a fun game. We've been doing this for the past couple of weeks, Ed. We, we came up with this. It's We're going to do a 1990s super team. We're going to focus on the offensive squad. So what is going to happen is we're going to pick 11 players on each side. Ed is going to pick his. I'm going to pick mine. We're going to do a snake draft. Ed will go first. Uh, the one thing we're going to do is we're going to draft one quarterback, one running back, a fullback, just because it's the 90s, and a fullback was relevant back then. Two wide receivers, a tight end, five offensive linemen. We're going to take two offensive tackles, two offensive guards, and a center. This is going to be a fun one, Ed. Yeah, I'm super excited, Alex. I mean, this is, this kind of brings me back to when I was a kid. Uh, this is my time. I mean, this was when I was watching college football the NFL I mean the 90s was I grew up in this era basically I mean this I was going to high school I was just starting college so a lot of these players I'm just a big big fan of and I realize how good they they actually were the one thing is if we pick a player from one team say it's the Cowboys we can't pick a second player from that team so we're just we're gonna spread it out a little bit. We're gonna give love to as many teams as possible because Ed and I could have picked as many 49ers players or or Cowboys players and just filled up their roster that way. But we're gonna spread it out a little bit, and it's just gonna be a a fun game to play. Ed, you've got the first pick, so take it away.
1: All right. Well, I get the first pick in the clock, and I'm gonna go with the star i mean mr football he's never been called mr football but to me he's to me he's like the first great quarterback i know of and it's uh brett Favre from the green bay packers all right so
2: you brett Favre, gets the the number one pick out here won a super bowl with the green bay packers and his all-time records speak for themselves all right, I'm going to go with the running back, Ed. Since we're uh, talking about the 1990s, in my opinion, the best player in the 90s, just period, was Barry Sanders. He was just Mr. Excitement, Ed. And nobody could tackle this guy. This guy was huge, elusive. He had great speed. He could take it to the house anytime he wanted to. He was just stuck on a bad Lions team. But this guy, I mean, if, if you look at his records, I mean, if you look at his stats... It's it's incredible. I mean, they, they really speak for themselves. The man went over 1,000 yards in every season that he played in. It's just too bad that he retired after the 1998 season. Obviously, he decided to call it quits. He rode into the sunset, but this man could have broke all the records if he wanted to because he had over 2,000-plus yards in the ninety seven season. Barry Sanders was... Was a fun player to watch. And since I've got the next pick, Ed, I'm going to take Jerry Rice. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking him. I mean, this makes sense. He was he came out of a small college, the Mississippi Valley College. He was a first-round pick, and he was the face of that franchise for the 49ers for so long until he, he moved on to the Oakland Raiders for the last three seasons. Him and Joe Montana set records, and uh, Jerry Rice is arguably, I'm not going to say arguably anymore, he's the best receiver to ever play in the NFL. So I've got Barry Sanders, I've got Jerry Rice. You're on the clock with the next two picks.
1: All right, well, I think with my first pick, I'm going to protect Brett Favre's blindside with William Rofe, uh, Louisiana Tech. He was a longtime New Orleans Saint and, uh, yeah, that's going to be the guy I went with. Uh, went to six straight Pro Bowls in the decade. He was a right tackle his first year, moved to left tackle. But, you know, he's mostly a left tackle. So I'm going to go with William Rowe from the New Orleans Saints. Well, you've got another pick since we're doing a snake draft. Okay. And, uh, you know what? Ne- my next pick, I'm going to go with a receiver. And I didn't, get, I didn't get Jerry Rice, who's who I wanted. But I'm going to go with Chris Carter, um, who had a great career with the Minnesota Vikings. Since you already took a quarterback, I'll
2: wait to, to take my next quarterback. Now, I've got to go with some big boys out here uh, since I took Barry Sanders and I've got Jerry Rice. Um, I'm going to take Tim Brown, wide receiver of the Raiders. Um, he was kind of the, the face of that franchise for so long. And I would say might be the most underrated receiver of, of all time. The numbers that he put up uh, in his era, that was... It was incredible, and uh, having him and Jerry Rice on the same team, which is something that they actually did in, in live games. When Jerry Rice came over to the to the Raiders, they had Jerry Rice and Tim Brown on the same team. So I'm going to take these two teammates out there, and then I have to take a tight end, and I would say I'll take the best tight end in the 1990s. This was before the explosion of the tight ends of so what we have now, you know, before the the Tony Gonzalez, before the Jimmy Graham, before the George Kittle's and Travis Kelsey's. I'm gonna take Shannon Sharp. Uh, the man is more known for, for being the 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 talking head on Fox Sports, but Shannon Sharp was arguably the, the best tight end in the game of all time. So that, those are my picks. I'm taking Tim Tim Brown, and I'm um, also taking Shannon Sharp.
1: Okay, well, that brings me to my pick. There's a player I really like, and you know, you know, I like to build up my offensive line. Um, there was a guy I really, I really liked. Uh, he was a guard. His name is Bruce Matthews. He played his whole career with basically the Houston Oilers. Which became the Tennessee Oilers, which then became the Tennessee Titans. So I'm going to take Bruce Matthews. Excellent pick, excellent and pick.
2: I mean, this is this guy's a legend. This guy was a legend for the Oilers and Titans. Excellent pick.
1: And then you know what? I think I think I need to. Uh, you know, I've got, I've got a couple of linemen. I've got I've got a receiver. Um, I'm going to go with my running. Well, do I want to go with my running back right away, or do I want to get another receiver? You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and get Emmett Smith because I, I, re- I, really don't want to come away without Emmett Smith.
2: All right, I mean Emmett Smith. Hey, he's, he still holds the record for, for most rushing yards of all time. I mean the the man is is out there behind that offensive line with the Cowboys. I mean he just ran wild. So excellent pick. I mean you can't go wrong with these picks here. It seems like I mean we're we're setting ourselves up. And this is just, this is getting good the, with each and every pick. All right. Um, so I guess I don't have any offensive linemen yet. I mean, you, you've got them all, but I'll address that later, I believe. I'll go with my quarterback, Ed. And uh, there's a lot of guys. I mean, there's Steve, Steve Young, Troy Aikman. I mean, you took Brett Favre. There's a lot of them out there. I'm going to go with John Elway. Uh, look, John Elway had his heyday in the '90s. We all know that the Broncos went to four Super Bowls, right? Yeah,
1: I just, I just wanna, I just wanna correct one thing. I, you did take Shannon Sharp, so I wonder if you can take John Elway because they're both from the same. Team. All right,
2: there you go. A good correction out here by Ed. Yeah, I, I can't take John Elway. I mean, I'm, I'm in trouble now. I can't take Steve Young either. I mean, that's. Can I take Joe Montana when he was in his '40s? You know, slinging. For the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to take Montana in the 80s. I'm not sure what I'm getting in the 90s out of here. All right. Uh, th- this is good. This is getting good out of here. There's one offensive lineman that I really want to take from the Cowboys, but I'll go with Troy Aikman. Uh, since you, we made that correction, Ed noticed it, and I appreciate him. Without building up my super team, I couldn't take two Broncos players because Shannon Sharp was with the Denver Broncos, and... John Elway was as well So I'm taking Troy Aikman uh, Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls with the Cowboys He didn't put up huge numbers But you have to understand that The Cowboys offense was built by running the football And Aikman was really good with the play-action pass Hitting you know, Michael Irvin and Jay Novacek at tight end And he, was, he played his best games in the playoffs I mean, he led that team. He turned up his, his level of you know readiness when it mattered the most. I mean, the man went 3-0 and in Super Bowl. So I'm going to take Troy Aikman, the, the man who went to college at UCLA. And, uh, and then-
3: um,
2: so I've got one more pick, Ed, before we... Uh, I guess I got to take somebody to um, protect the, the blind side for Troy Aikman or we're going to get killed here. I'm going to go with Richmond Webb, uh, left tackle from Miami Dolphins. He later played for the Bengals, but this man just protected Dan Marino's blind side for, for a while, and uh, that would be my pick at, at left tackle.
1: All right, well, um, there's one guy I, I just really revere um, you know, who played in this era. I mean, he blocked for basically uh, Corey Dillon, Eddie George, Ladanian Tomlinson. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna consider him a charger, and I'm going to go with Lorenzo Neal as my fullback.
2: All right, you've got the next pick yeah. as well. I'm
1: going to think a little bit of, on this pick. I got my fullback, got my running back, got my quarterback, got my receiver. Um, you know what? I, I think I might want to take another lineman, uh, make sure I got a guy on the right side. I can't take a Minnesota Viking, so I would take Gary Zimmerman, but I, would, I can't. So I'm actually gonna go with Tony Baselli, um, who had a short career, but it was a good career when he played. So I'm gonna to take Tony Baselli from uh, University of Southern California, the Jaguars guy.
2: All right, I like it. He he definitely had a short career, but he had a really really good one. All right, so I've got to take. Um, I guess I got to take offensive linemen here because I got a center. Two offensive guards. I've got to go with an offensive tackle and a fullback. Uh, I've got everything else addressed um, at this point. Uh, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with your boy Ed, uh, and the reason why I say your boy is because this guy was a stealer for life, and he was.
1: Oh, I know who you're going to take.
2: He was an excellent player. I mean, he was just the face of that franchise for so long. Especially if you love the trenches. And you love offensive line play. I mean, this guy was physical, tough, dirty. Dermani Dawson. I would say one of the maybe top five, top ten players of all time for the Steelers. So Dermani Dawson is my pick here at center. And at offensive guard, I'm going to take a Viking. I'm going to take Randall McDaniel. Uh, this guy played most of his career with the Vikings and went to numerous Pro Bowls. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna beef up my offensive line and it starts with Dermani Dawson who's gonna make all the line calls.
1: Alright, well uh I still got I still got tight end and wide receiver to go. Um, I'm gonna go wide receiver here. Um you know we have Jerry Rice and Chris Carter off the board, but uh Tim Brown, have I taken a Raider yet? I'm surprised I haven't taken a Raider. I've taken yet. Tim Brown, think-
2: Ed, already. Oh, you've I taken, taken t- you've Tim taken Brown Tim Brown already,
1: and then I can't take I can't take Michael Irvin, so that puts me in a in a tough spot. You know what? I made me hold off on wide receiver, and I could maybe go. You know what? You know what? I'll go I'll go with a tight end. I'm going to go with Ben Coates. Um, he's going to be my tight end. He was good for many years with the with the Patriots. He's from Livingston College. Um, yeah, Bill
2: Parcells loved him with the patriots out there. He was his type of player.
1: And you know what? I, I think I'm going to go with another guard. I can't I can't go with Randall McDaniel cuz you took him. Larry Allen is still on the board. I haven't taken a 49er yet. Can I take well, Larry, Larry Allen? Larry
2: Allen actually played for the Dallas Cowboys. That's
1: But he also played for the 49ers. Well,
2: I mean, he was remembered as a Cowboy. Who who did you take with the Cowboys out there? You haven't anybody, right?
1: I took Emmett oh, you Smith. Took
2: Smith. I mean, you're cheating a little bit. I mean, Larry Allen out there. I mean, he spent most of his career with the right, Dallas right, Cowboys. I, I, right, I would right. love to take Larry Allen, but I mean, we're, he's not remembered for that. I mean, no, we're that—that's I mean, no, that, a penalty. Okay, I'll—I'll we're, we're I'll, I'll, I'll be we're no. no let integrity on this. One, we're throwing a flag on that. All
1: right, one. all right, all right. I'll—I'll I'll go with uh, Steve Wisniewski, the Penn State guy who played for the Raiders. All right, so you got a Raider on your team. I would love
2: to take Larry Allen, but I took Troy Aikman. Ed threw a penalty flag on me because I was trying to sneak in John Elway. Forgot that I you know, took Shannon Sharp out there at tight end. All right, so I've got what? I've got three. Three positions remaining. I need an offensive tackle. I need an offensive guard. And I need a fullback. You know, there's one player I really loved in the 90s. He was just... He could block... He can catch the ball out of the backfield and he can run with the rock. Alright, I realize that I have Barry Sanders and I need somebody to block for him. This guy can do it, but he can also carry it. I loved Mike Allstott. I mean Mike Allstott was my type of player. I always loved watching him with the Bucks. Uh, maybe he is not gonna be remembered as like Lorenzo Neal or, or Daryl Johnston, but Mike Allstott is my book, is is one tough son of a gun. So I'm going to take Mike Allstar on my team because he can give me that extra dimension in my West Coast offense. And he, he could do many different things out of that role. And uh, the next player that I'm going to take, I'm going to take Jonathan Ogden. I realize that Jonathan Ogden played in, in this century, but he was drafted in 1996, and he still made three Pro Bowls at the end of the 1990s. Jonathan Ogden played for a long, long time with the Baltimore Ravens, and um, I'm going to go with him, just just a legend on that left side. And he can play on the right side for me, or he can be my left tackle, and I'll put Richmond Webb on the right side. So uh, I've got two really good
1: offensive tackles on my team. For my first pick, uh, I've kind of come down on receivers, and I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steeler. guy I really like is Heinz uh, Ward. Um, he's going to be my '90s receiver. He's going to be my number two. Heinz Ward. Was that your last pick? Uh, no, I still I still have a center to pick. Well, I, I'm I'm thinking about it now, and I, I'm finally going to settle on one. Um, I didn't probably get a great center in this draft, but I'm going to go with Tom Nalen uh, for the Broncos. He, he was he did have a very good career. I mean, if you're in this draft, you're a great player. And uh, I haven't taken a Bronco yet, so I'm going to take Tom Nalen, number 66.
2: All right, we've got the last pick, uh, and I have the honor of completing this super nine, 1990s. Draft. Should, should,
1: should we have a Mr. Irrelevant, uh, like uh, the Mr. Irrelevant Foundation, get up and uh, speak this pick for you? or I'm going to take a Kansas City Chiefs player, Will Shields.
2: All right, that's, uh, a, Will, that's a good pick. Yeah, Will Shields, I mean, he's been to the Pro Bowl 12 times times and I'm I'm surprised he lasted this long I mean just completely have forgotten about him and then all of a sudden like Will Shields you know we didn't pick him 12 Pro Bowls and just two-time All-Pro and a Hall of Fame player um, so that will be the last pick in our uh, in our draft this was fun
1: yeah this was cool I mean it kind of brought me back and reminded me of some players that i haven't heard for in a while and well let's get to nfl news here um
2: earl thomas that that's the big news out of the ravens camp he was released after a fight he got into a fight with chuck clark uh fellow secondary player and it seems like earl thomas i mean his his career kind of in a Spiraling out of control. Last year, he had a good year on the field, but there were some rumors and some things coming out of the Ravens that Earl Thomas was was a bad seed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've heard things as far as he was the he was the most hated player in the locker room, and it wasn't even close. And he wasn't doing on things on Sundays that they were asking him to do, and he was just kind of doing what he wanted. So, and to be honest with you, when you when you when you're not listening to your coaches, I mean. You know, it it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. You don't. You don't want a player like that. You know, you don't want to pay a player like that ten million dollars. So, I I I agree with the Ravens' move here. According to Bovada, the Ravens' odds to win the Super
2: Bowl are uh, six and a half uh, to one. And to be honest with you, there are numerous reports out there about Earl Thomas that he was consistently. You know, routinely fined throughout this training camp for undisclosed reasons. There was a long list of players that he clashed with. Uh, there were just reasons to be worried about Thomas's well-being entering this season, and the just the Ravens decided the risk wasn't worth it. But who else do you think is going to take that risk? Who is desperate enough to to pull the trigger and bring in Earl
1: Thomas? Well, I think I think the Cowboys is the most natural fit. I mean, they've ha- they've shown interest in him before. Um, you know, they they have some needs on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to have a great offense, and then you add someone like Earl Thomas to your defense. I think the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys. They 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 sometimes they roll the dice. You know, if they can get a star player you know Jer- jerry jones will 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 shell out the money for someone like earl thomas if he can kind of solidify that defense after their offense i think their offense is going to be really how about the browns ed i mean the browns their
2: safety that they were counting on the rookie safety out of lsu our boy grant delpit tore his acl he will miss the entire season what do you think about that the the browns pulling the trigger bringing in earl thomas i mean for to go against the ravens twice a year you know he's going to
1: be motivated he'd stay in the division for sure i mean that would be that would be the benefit of it the reason the reason i i don't see this is i think i think the browns have a lot of talent right now But they need they need kind of team players. I think that's really one of their problems right now. Is they have a lot of they have a lot of individuals on their team, and you know we've seen I mean we've seen it many times in the NBA where teams you know get stacked with just great players. You know they got three or four a three headed monster, but they can't play together. And uh, you know I think that happens in football. I mean we've seen that. I mean what was it back back in the two thousands when the Eagles. You know they got like Namdi Asamoah, and they got all this talent, and Donovan McNabb, and so forth. And everyone said, "Oh, the Eagles, the Eagles are going to dominate everybody. I mean, it's not even going to be close." And then, and then when the season came around, they weren't that good.
2: Yeah, it's unfortunate about Grant Delpit, though. I mean, obviously high hopes for him, and he was going to be in those packages. If he wasn't going to win the starting safety job, he was going to be playing nickel. He was going to be playing dime. He was going to get a lot of work on the football field. And- and a guy that I know that they were excited about and they drafted him in the second round it's it's a sad one I, I realize we've got modern technology now but Delpic going down is going to hurt the Browns
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's just sad from Grant Delpit's perspective. I mean, when you remember he was a sophomore in college, I mean, at LSU, I mean, he was a dominant player. I mean, he was a, you know, he started as a freshman and he was a good player as a freshman. I mean, he was a dominant player as a sophomore. And then for him to just, you know, not have a great junior year, be injured his junior year, um, you know, come out for the draft and then, you know, not even play an NFL down and he's already injured, so...
2: Bavada has the Browns with the 30 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl. I wanted to mention another player that has made a comeback. It's Alden Smith. Some people are saying, Who is that? You know, the, the Cowboys took a gamble by, by signing Alden Smith after four seasons out of the NFL. This is a former top 10 pick. He was one of the most impressive players on the roster by multiple beat reporters from Cowboys camp, especially during the first week. It's safe to say Smith showed up taking this This final chance at a career, seriously. And I I remember Alden Smith because he played for my Niners and had a couple of really good seasons. I mean, I remember when he came in as as a rookie and had 14 sacks. And then in his second year, he made the Pro Bowl where he was a starter and had like 19.5 sacks. And then his career kind of tailed off after that. Uh, He spent two more seasons with the Niners, then tried to resurrect it with the Raiders. It didn't turn out he got into some legal trouble, but I like this. I'm, I'm rooting for him, Ed. He's still a young guy, to be honest with you, even though he's been out of the NFL for four years. I don't think he's 30 yet because when he came out of college, he was a redshirt sophomore. I thought he was about 20 at the time. So I'm pulling for a player like this. We'd like to welcome our next guest to the show. He is a wide receiver slash cornerback from Western Michigan. Dwayne Eskridge. Dwayne, how are you?
3: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. You
2: know, the fall football season in the Mac has been canceled. Is the team still having Zoom meetings? Are you still working out on your own? I mean, what's going on with your workout schedule right now?
3: So the um they have they have types of protocols right now to where like after the news broke, you know, it was kind of a time to where no one really knew what was going on. So then workouts kind of stayed consistent for about three more days or something like that. And then now it's been two weeks basically off. You know, you can go home to your to your family and then just work out on your own for right now. And then um, I think Monday, I believe, is that the players start to come back and then um, get back to some type of whatever phase it will be in that that we'll be going through.
2: Are you working out on your own, Dwayne? And uh, are they going to have voluntary workouts come Monday?
3: Yeah, I, I think it's some type of voluntary uh, workouts. I'm still I'm still on the ring of, I don't know. I got a couple questions that I need to be answered. So right now, all I'm focused on is kind of working out, staying in shape, being ready for whatever comes my way, because I don't know exactly what I'm going to do yet. I have a good idea, but I just, I, I, don't, I don't know yet.
2: Have you made a decision? I mean, are you going to prepare for the spring football season, considering if if they will have it, or will you declare for the NFL draft?
3: I haven't made a decision just yet. Yeah, I'm still on the road, talking with my family, people that I respect and love that have the best interest for me. So it's it's kind of just a process right now on top of the process.
1: So back to your college career, what, what was it like to be a two-way player against Syracuse and Georgia State last year?
3: Uh, it, it was pretty cool, actually. You know what I'm saying? It, was, it felt good to be able to um to make big plays on the defense and then make uh, plays on the offense as well. I didn't play as much offense as we pla uh as we planned on. You know, the injury kind of messed that up. But yeah, it was wild. Well, it lasted. It was fun. You know, I felt like I was in a different league than than most players.
2: It brought us back to the Charles Woodson days or the Champ Bailey days. How did you feel about it, just being kind of the the big man on campus going both ways?
3: Oh, it felt good, you know what I'm saying? It felt like for a point of time, it was like that I was really showing all my athletic ability, because, you know, I could go in and lock somebody up on corner, or make a tackle, you know, the physicality never changed, or I could go over the top of someone, make a big catch, or do the blocking, whatever it calls for. So it just, it just felt good to be a facilitator, and then that that's not even including special teams so you know i really i really felt like a football player and it was fun
1: do you see yourself as as a corner or receiver at the next level
3: i mean i've been asked this question it's still it's still kind of tough you know because i played running back coming out of high school so you know it's like i have the love i have the love for the offensive side of the the side of the ball you know what i'm saying but but going going to defense you know it was fun, you know what I'm saying? It's like I, I like playing the boundary, you know what I'm saying, feeling in the box. So I don't I don't really know. I just think, you know what I'm saying, I I kind of see myself more as a receiver, but at the same time I have the corner in my holster. You know, it, I could be just as good at corner or nickel per se as I could at receiver. And then that's not even mentioned special teams again. So I just I just feel like a, a, a overall football player. There's no place that you couldn't put me other than other than quarterback. Don't put me a quarterback. I can't throw from that tree. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> We'll put you a quarterback in the NFL. Maybe you'll you'll pick up a new trait. Who knows?
3: I'm definitely not <laughs> down saying it. You put me there. I'm I'm gonna be great at it at the end of the day. <laughs> hey,
2: you you can be a wildcat quarterback. I mean, hey, Lamar Jackson oh, running yeah. with the football or Michael Vick. I mean, you don't have to throw it.
3: Oh, yeah. They put me They put me back there to run. I'm going to run like my head on fire.
2: Well, obviously, you bring a lot of versatility uh, in your game, but critique yourself. What areas of your game do you still need to improve upon?
3: Definitely body control, you know. Um, is I just got to – I feel like the point of time where I am now compared to my last offensive film in 2018, I just felt like I was an immature receiver, you know, like every route it was one off of speed no finesse no technicality to it at all you know what i'm saying and then i was just out of control coming out of my breaks releases you know it, just, it was sloppy i made plays i got a couple stats but it was just overall immature and you know now that i feel like i've worked with um, my position coach to you know really pinpoint those weaknesses and then now i, I feel like a completely different player now you know what i'm saying just, strengthening those weaknesses so you you had
1: you had the clavicle injury um you suffered last year how have you healed from it
3: i healed great um dr seisman with western Michigan, he he patched me up great because it was a pretty it was a pretty bad injury because i had broke it in two places and then it shattered so he had to put a um he put a bar in there that's the size of my scar and then i have nine screws in there so he he patched me up pretty well and now i feel good it just feels a little bit like a robot arm and it's, that's in a good way. That's in a good way, not a bad way. So I feel great. I felt like I could have played in the Western Michigan, um, Western Kentucky game. But, you know, I just wanted to be smart.
2: Tell us about that game. I think everybody watched it. It was the bowl game against Western Kentucky. You guys uh, you mm-hmm. guys suffer, suffered a heartbreaking loss at the end there. they They kicked the field goal for 50-plus yards. What was that like watching it from mm-hmm. the sidelines?
3: Um, I just feel like you know all the things that all the things that we didn't do, you know, it kind of it kind of showed itself, you know what I'm saying? Because during that time we wasn't really like as a team, we weren't detail oriented, you know. People were getting in trouble, you know what I'm saying? It was it just it just wasn't pretty at that time. Like it didn't feel like we were acting like pros. So I feel like at the end of the day, you know. It all revolves around itself and it comes back to bite you when it comes back to bite you. So I feel like it was just overall just, it was it was what we put in is what we got out. They made a great field goal, you know what I'm saying, but that one play, it, it won in the game, but you know, it was a lot of players left on the field that, that could have potentially helped us win the game or, you know what I'm saying, made a difference.
2: Dwayne Eskridge is with us, uh, wide receiver slash cornerback from Western Michigan. Uh, as you look back on your career at Western Michigan so far, what is the highlight for you?
3: Uh, I would say my freshman year winning the MAC championship. And that's, yeah, 'cause during during that time, you know, it was the culture was just crazy. You know what I'm saying? It was it was we really had those seniors that would die on that football field. You know, just seeing them put on the shirts, put on the hats. You know what I'm saying? Get on the field and cry, and That's what they've been working for for the last four years. You know that's that's definitely something I'll never forget. And it's, it's a blessing for me to be a part of that. I don't I don't really facilitate as much back then. You know what I'm saying, but it, it was great to be a part of that.
1: So back back to your high school days, what made you choose Western Michigan as a three-star prospect?
3: Um, during that time, I was going through my grades, so I didn't really have too much grades, and it was it was kind of a risk at the time to take me because I didn't know if I was going to be eligible or not come um, the fall season of 16. So I know a lot of schools kind of backed out on me then, but P.J. Fleck and them, they, they rolled it out and put a specific plan of what what I had to do. And, you know, I, I ended up meeting all those requirements and then was eligible my first year.
2: Was P.J. Fleck the main reason why you chose that school, that that coaching staff in general?
3: Yeah, it, it was a big part of it, and I knew they, they had a movement going in the Mac conference. Like it was it was they really stood out in the Mac conference. Like it was like Western Michigan. And then it was Toledo could probably be in there. But then it was like those two teams compared to every other, you know, they was on a completely different level. It didn't even feel like the Mac when it came to Western Michigan. So, you know, I felt like that was the that was the best spot for me. It wasn't all sunshine and rainbows, but at the end of the day it was gonna get me to where I wanted to get to.
1: I understand you're pretty fast. Uh, how fast are you? What was your best forty time?
3: Uh, my best forty time was a four three two I believe when we had tested about two years ago.
2: Are you faster now?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say, and I feel hundred times faster <laughs> then. once once we once the clock gets the rolling again, you know it's gonna be interesting to see.
2: all right are you uh are are we shooting for John Ross's record? Henry Rugs didn't beat it last year. He ran a 427. Uh, I mean, are we are we close in the 42 range?
3: I mean, the way I, the way I'm gonna work at it, and the speed that I already have without the technique, because I ran the 4 the 432 without any technique. You know, because when I was getting recruited, I didn't run any 40s because I had committed early. So that was my first time learning how to even get into a 40 yards. So now that you know all the technicality stuff is, has. You know, I've gotten better with that over the years. And next time I run it, it's going to be special for sure. And that's that's definitely a goal of mine is to beat those records. That's like a track meet. That'll be fun.
2: I know your former teammate, Levante Bellamy, was also shooting for that record. I mean, he was hoping to run very fast in Indy. So on a good day, Mm -hmm. who is faster, you or him?
3: I'd be wrong to say that he'll beat me. You know what I'm saying? That's my competitive nature. I'd never say that man will beat me. (laughs) But I know, I know it. It'll never be a dust. You know, he'll always be there, or I'll always be there with him. It, it's always neck and neck. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna win the edge.
2: <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, that's what they, that's what a true competitor always says, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, sir.
1: Can you tell us about your accomplishments in high school and track and field? I would assume, you know, running. It's a pretty natural sport for you.
3: Yeah, high school track. I missed that a lot. Oh, that was those were the highlights of my high school career. I think um I think like a eight time sectional champion, um a eight time regional champion, a uh, uh three time state champion and the runner up and that's a lot. It's a lot. Those those were my prime days right there in high school track and Field.
2: <laughs> well the best days are still ahead, Dwayne. But what did you run? What oh, were yeah. the events? Were you uh... Were you a sprinter? 60,
3: 200? Yeah, I ran the 100, I ran the 200, I ran the 4x1 relay and then I did long jump. That was my that was my favorite, that was my favorite uh thing to do on track. That was my favorite uh event. Cool.
2: Who, who motivates you the most to to be the best that you can be? Dwayne, who or what uh drives you every day?
3: Um, it's not a specific who, you know what I'm saying? Me and my family were we're really close. You know what I'm saying? Watching the way that I was the way that I was raised, you know what I'm saying? It's it's always I do everything for my family to set my family up in a new trend, you know, for the generations to come and the ones that's not for my little brothers, sisters and cousins. So I will every day, you know, before I do anything I always think about things. Just being able to change their lives so at the end of the day they won't have to see some of the things that I seen or go through some of the things that I went through, you know, just make their lives a lot easier than what it has to be since we only get one of those. So I would, I would definitely say it's my family for sure.
1: Who's the most difficult corner and wide receiver you face in the Mac?
3: The corner would be Sean Bunton. He Sean Bunton? Bay, I remember him. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah. He was, <laughs> it was crazy. You know, it, it wasn't really a pass heavy game because I, it was terrible. So it was all, it was all runs basically, but even on the, the MORs and the, the deep balls that I was just running them off, it was crazy how patient he was and how he did. It was no false steps when it came to him. He was just, he was an overall corner. And then for the receiver, um, i will probably say it was Jaden Reed. When he played in the MAC. he plays at Michigan State now. Um, that was when I first moved the corner. And he really one of the reasons that I ended up getting pretty good the way that i did because he was obviously a great receiver he was fast you know and that was right when i had switched so he helped me out a lot honestly and then i'll probably say sky Moore. um he's uh he's still at west he's he playing still and he was he was great too
1: well uh Dwayne, i think it's been great having you on the show we're looking forward to your career and um yeah i mean you're an excellent athlete so we're looking forward to maybe you'll get an invite to the combine
3: Yes, sir. I definitely appreciate you guys having me.
2: We would like to thank Phil Steele and Dwayne Eskridge for being on the show this week. Until next time, take care.